right, episode 22 of the Math Podcast. I'm Al Sidhome, your Matt Sidhome. And here we are. We took a week off. <laughs> we took a week off. Spring break. Uh, Spring break. Ironically, I think, the math, I think the Mavs did too. So it uh, <laughs> it worked out to our yeah. favor. Um, so where do we want to begin? Well, I think, uh, you know, last time we, we did a podcast, we were uh, – coming off a three-game win streak, and we're going into games against Brooklyn and Phoenix at home. And uh, I think at that point, you know, people are talking like, wow, okay, the Mavs are kind of lining things up. You know, we just knocked off the Thunder and the Grizzlies pretty easily. So, um, you know, it was kind of interesting. I think the Mavs were – people thought, okay, this is this is an exciting group. Maybe they can make the playoffs. And they they managed to beat Brooklyn. Like, Noel can't play those two games because of swelling in his knee. And then they uh, they drop one at the buzzer against Phoenix, and then it's just gotten kind of weird since then. They've gotten blown out three times. They win at Washington, which was kind of shocking. Uh, they they rallied in the fourth quarter, and uh, and they won at Brooklyn on Sunday, which is whatever. They're terrible. Um but yeah, just just kind of weird. And I wonder if that Phoenix loss, you know, where it could have been a five-game win streak before that road trip, uh, if that kind of took the wind out of their sails a little bit and led to just they've kind of stumbled since a little bit. So I, I don't know if that, it was the Phoenix loss because then it really culminated in in the Philly game last Friday. Yeah, that Philly game for me pretty much was the nail in the coffin. Because uh, was that our? That was probably our worst loss since that Sacramento blowout that actually started our turnaround. And um, I was just speechless. I, I couldn't even believe it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that all being said, you're right. Last time we spoke, we were sort of in the midst of: Do we believe this team is just putting it all together at the right time? And then it was sort of a, a sputter. Now, now keep in mind, for whatever reason, uh, Clay Thompson and Devin Booker, we, we can't stop. <laughs> and they proved it again. Yeah. Devin Booker just annihilates us, and he just does it repeatedly. And you're right. Uh, since that game, uh, it's just it's kind of like the, the playoff fever has kind of fizzled. And... Um, yeah, I mean, last night, the blowout to the Warriors, we looked good for about a quarter and a half, and then it was just terrible the rest of the way. So, I don't know. Speechless. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'll just say, I mean, losing at Toronto by 20, which yeah. is uh, kind of the first of those losses, and Toronto's good, but, you know, they're up there in the Eastern Conference, and coming off of that, I, I thought, well, okay, maybe this is start of the, you know, we're kind of wrapping up the season sort of thing, but then they come back and they play great against the Wizards and Brasino comes off the bench and hits some big shots and, and they're back in it, but then uh, and then, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, they got the Wizards, now let's beat Philly and Brooklyn, and then Philly just pounds them, and you know, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't know if this can be a rule, but if you lose by 40 to Philly in a season, and and 
you know, if that team doesn't include Dr. J and Moses Malone, you probably yeah. you probably don't deserve to make the playoffs. I agree. I, I think, you know, essentially the Wizards win made up for the Phoenix loss, but then uh then that that game against Philly just it just negated so much for me. I was just like, because it's not like Noel was out. Noel played; he played okay. Justin Anderson shockingly had 19, which uh, uh, maybe we could get into later. But the, uh, regard, regardless, it it just didn't, uh, you know. I don't know. For me, it actually knocked the wind out of my sails as a fan. I was just like, yeah, I think the playoffs are out now. Even though, like you said at the beginning of the show, we're only two and a half, three games out, like we've basically maintained for about three, four weeks now. But um, I'm just feeling that, uh, you know, Denver, Portland, are getting, one of those teams is going to get the eighth seed. And uh, even New Orleans is kind of coming up strong now. I think they're tied for wins with us. They've won three straight. So um, they may even pass us because we have one more with them. So uh, I'm just kind of looking at things the other way now just because uh, – and, you know, to their credit, uh, I do think Portland and Denver are playing a lot better. So I, I am I am measuring this pessimism against the competition as well, you know. I agree. You know, Denver, Denver's actually really putting it together. I think, well, it's interesting because those two teams made a swap yeah. uh, around the trade deadline and, and Nurkic has been great for Portland. And I think Plumley has been good and, and getting Nurkic out of there has helped Jokic play a yeah. lot better for the Nuggets. So those two teams kind of made the right moves there to, to help, you know, it was a kind of a win-win trade there. And, um, they've both been, playing a lot better. So, yeah, I just think they're at a level above. And 12, I think there's 12 games left, two and a half, three games out. You'd have to win probably 10 games. Even if you won 10 games over your last 12, you got to hope Denver and Portland go something around 500 to to get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be hard. You're probably talking about, yeah, let's say nine and three gives you a shot. And uh, even at that point, you're hoping for like a sputter from both of them of a five and seven, six and six kind of run. So right. I think that's asking a lot at this point, especially because, uh, like you said, both those teams were playing well. Um, so again, rooting for playoffs, uh, I just don't see it at this point. I think, you know, if we had beaten Phoenix, if we had beaten Philly, I would be feeling a lot different, but just losing those two games that I expected to win uh, at this point, you just, you can't make up for those losses at this point is basically what I'm saying. So, uh, I agree. That, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. With that being said, uh, we don't have to spend too much time on this topic, but uh, Yogi Ferrell, uh, Yogi Mania, uh, there, <laughs> there is no mania. It's more manic at this point as it, uh, it just, uh, it was way up, and now it's, uh, I don't want to say way down, but it's been uh, not exciting for the most part. For the last few weeks, I feel like he's been okay. I, I don't think he's been terrible or anything. Uh, just, uh, just don't, don't, I don't know, something about how he's playing over the last couple of weeks, it, 
is he more timid or is he more undecisive? He's just not making all the right moves. It feels like he was doing that first week or two. So well, I, just don't, I think he's, he's not uh, a long-term starter. I'm very confident of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, we picked him up from the D league and he really has, if you put it in that context, this is an undrafted rookie that came up through the D league. He has played well overall. And he's been good for us. And I think he'll continue to be good for us. I think the key in those first couple weeks is no one really had film on him as an NBA player. So he probably got more open shots. You know, they probably weren't ready for some of the plays he was going to make. With as much film that these guys study, I think they just got some film on him and were able to make some adjustments and, and cut off some of the things that he likes to do. And now it's up to Yogi Ferrell and the Mavs to make a make a, an adjustment themselves, and and he needs and maybe that happens in the off season. Maybe he yeah. needs to get better at something in order for him to become a little bit more effective again. But yeah, at the end of the day, if the Mavericks found, I mean, JJ Barea is not getting any younger, but if you found someone who can be even a backup point guard, that that's a great find because at this point it looks like the Mavericks will get a top ten pick. And, you know, let's say they, let's say they get into the top three and they win the lottery, if you will. You're going to bring in a point guard that's just significantly better than Yogi Ferrell. And yeah. him coming off the bench all of a sudden sounds great, I think, to Mavs fans. And, yeah. you know, but yeah, if he is your long-term starter, he, he's got to get better. But I think everybody on the Mavericks has to get better for the, for this to be kind of the core moving forward, you know, Seth Curry kind of in that same boat. It's like, yeah, I agree. Had a I really think. good year, you know, but the last couple of weeks, I feel like he, it's almost, I don't know if he hit a wall or what, but it just, I mean, his stats plummeted. He went from like 20 points a game to like five. <laughs> it was shocking. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I wonder, you know, the, the truth is this is the most he's played in a season ever. Uh, and I'm wondering if him and, uh, you know, Wesley Matthews is, is very similar too, where both those guys have just been, they don't appear exhausted, but they're playing like they're burnt out, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think with, it's interesting you bring up Wesley Matthews because with Yogi Ferrell, I think it's explainable because teams are making adjustments. He's not used to maybe like the NBA schedule and being on the road and all these other yeah. things. Like it, everything's very new to Yogi Ferrell. Wesley Matthews has been in the league for several years. Obviously, this is the second year now coming off the uh, Achilles yeah. injury. Yeah. He started off this year terribly and then came on really strong and, and was playing really well. And then, yeah, you're right. The last couple of weeks, it's just been like, what's going on? And maybe that could be said for everyone but Dirk, because even Harrison Barnes hasn't been great in, in recent weeks. Yeah. Well, but I, I will say about Harrison Barnes, uh, I think Cuban said it in, in a podcast or an interview earlier this year of just how young Barnes is and how much room he has to grow. And I am starting to see, like you see little snippets of his growth when he goes like 10 for 12 from the free throw line or He's just working on his post-up game or his, you know, drives to the basket. It's it's really been neat to see him improve. He is so far from a finished product. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, there's 
there seems to be a collective wall that a lot of them have hit. And maybe the fact that Dirks took so much time off, it almost seems like he's peaking now because uh, he's got energy. He's been their leading scorer for the last few weeks, and um, or last few games at least. And, um, yeah, he's looked good. He, he He's put to rest any question of can he keep playing? Does he have another year in him? I, I mean, there's just – I don't think there's any doubt there. Yeah, and I think to the team's credit, the fact that they have these guys, you know, Noel rolling to the basket, people have to pay attention to him. Barnes has shown enough this year that people have to pay attention to him. Yeah. Curry and, he, and even Yogi, because when he was open, he was knocking down shots. I, I think all of that's led to Dirk's super efficient now because he's got some good players around him and he's, yeah. people have got to either play him straight up or, or leave him open. And he's just knocking down open shots, which we've talked about. He could do that till he's 45 if he really wants to. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it, it, it actually points, which I did actually point out when Noel was first traded, but um, it does point a little more towards the Noel trade as well because of the the spacing Noel provides, the defense he provides. Um, you know, I, ha- I know he had a knee issue for a couple games, but uh, I feel like we're just a different team defensively uh, as a whole with him out there. And... Uh, I wonder if it's freed up Dirk a little bit to just play a little looser too, you know? Well, yeah, I think, you know, everyone talks about the couple of years Tyson Chandler was here was not only meant a lot of success for the Mavericks, but a lot of success for Dirk. And, you know, it gave him some some help on defense for sure, but also just having a, a presence inside who could finish around the rim and who could rebound. I mean, people have to pay attention to that, and that's just, draws people away from Dirk or, you know, the, at least the double teams or, or anything else they want to bring towards them. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, are we concerned about Noel's needs? How are we feeling about those? Well, it's interesting. I think, I think over the course of about a week, we got the case for and against Nerland's Noel because he, Sits out against, you know, Brooklyn, Phoenix, and Toronto. He misses those three games. And they go one and two. They they come back to beat Brooklyn. And, again, Brooklyn's awful, so you expect them to do that. They they lose a close one to Phoenix. And those are two games that really, if he plays in those two games, I would think the Mavericks, the way they were playing at that point, maybe win both of those games much easier. Yeah. Um, or much more easily, I should say. Uh, you get blown out by Toronto. He plays against the Wizards, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I think that's right there. It's like, okay, yes, you're concerned about the knee, and how does it hold up over the course of the season and all those things. But then when he's in there, I mean, Washington at home, I think they said during the broadcast they had not blown a fourth-quarter lead at home in I think all season they they had some ridiculous undefeated record of of home games where they were leading going into the fourth and they had like a, an 11 point lead going into the fourth quarter or something. And the Mavericks beat them by, you know, 10 or something. I mean, they just blew them out there in the fourth quarter and it wasn't all Noel, but he did a lot of plays that game. And and he was really a difference maker uh, against a team that, 
you know, has some, some really good, you know, players, you know, John Wall can take it to the basket and obviously Noel there can make a difference. I mean, Gortat can finish around the rim. Um, but yeah. I think if you're his agent, you're going to point to that. And then if you're the Mavericks, you might point to those. <laughs> he, he can't hold up over the course of the season. So it'll be well, interesting to see yeah. how the Mavericks feel about that and where his contract shakes up as a result. Yeah. I mean, I think that'll be the biggest point of contention is is uh is he going to be another Chandler Parsons with his knees um and I mean look they were right about Parsons and uh they let him go so I mean I have confidence in the trainers um I do feel though that he is not going to be that and I think uh I think we're really going to see the value of bringing him in at the trade deadline because to have him in the Maverick system for that extra I don't know, eight months, six months. Because I guess the season would start, let's say, November 1st. So let's just say, yeah, eight months. That's going to do a world of difference to really have him have a solid year next year. Just put a little weight on in the off season. He'll know all the de- defensive uh, schemes. So um, I think that's really going to add a lot of value, uh, you know, Unfortunately, come next season, not this season. <laughs> but I still think we keep them. I think we sign them. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping it's for less than four for eighty. I hope uh, with all the concerns, we can get a little bit of a discount. But if it's four for eighty, so be it. You know, uh, I think the fact that we could be an above-average defensive team with just him—that's uh, exciting. That's really exciting. And so uh, I'm sold on that for sure. Yeah, and I think even if uh, I agree, I could live with four for 80 for Noel, and I hope it's a little less. But, yeah, bottom line, yeah, we're an above-average defensive team. Fact fact is we're just a better team with him in there. Yeah. And if we're going to come this close to making the playoffs with him in here for – you know, 20 games at the end of this year. I think over the course of a full season next year, you can, it's, it's hard for me to believe the Mavericks don't make the playoffs next season. Yeah. Especially, uh, with whatever happens with their pick. Um, uh, I guess, should we look at this? Yeah. We've got a few minutes. I I feel like with the, uh, are, are the playoffs out of reach now? Are we in agreement on this? Or <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well. Okay. okay. And not to jump jump too far ahead to to the week ahead, but this this homestand that they're on, you know, they just lost to the Warriors last night, and then they have the Clippers, uh, Thunder, and um, I think Raptors coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like three. Three tough teams right there coming up. And, you know, we said when we were going through these final 12, they would have to go something like nine and three to, you know, and, and then those other two teams really stumble for them to make the yeah. playoffs. So yeah. here's three games right in front of them. And they're at home, but, you know, three games that are going to be really tough for them to, if they were to go one and two, I, I think Mavericks fans would be pretty pleased at this point. Yeah. Um, and, that's two losses right there, and they still have the Spurs ahead on their schedule and some other tough games. So I'm going to say the playoffs are not going to happen this season. Yeah, I'm predicting 0-3. Uh, I don't want to. But, uh, <laughs> 0-3 for the week. And with that, let's bring back the tank rankings and see where we're tank. at here. 
ranking. <laughs> uh, I think as of right now, we are in the 10th spot. And so, you know, New Orleans is tied for us with 30 wins. They have one more loss. And then Minnesota, that 28 wins. There's a good shot we could sink down to seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And so with that, we're looking again at, like, if we don't win the lottery, get a top three pick, we're probably looking at the German kid, Tilakina. Is he German? Is he yeah. French? Frank Tilakina. Uh, I know they like him a lot. French? Um, Biggest French? Yeah. Who, who knows? And then you've got Lori... Uh, Markinen, the seven foot. Uh, Markinen, yeah. Yeah, from Arizona. Who Arizona's still in the tournament, right? Yeah, no, I watched him over the weekend. Uh, I tried to watch Arizona specifically for, for Markinen, and he he looked good. You know, I think people yeah. will immediately throw out there uh, the, the dirt comparisons because he is seven feet and he can, he can step out and shoot the three. I think he looks a little bit more athletic than dirt, but coming along. Yeah. 20 years, 20 years later, you would expect, uh, you would expect that anyway. Um, that's true. But yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think I'd be happy with, with Markinen, you know, although he's really more of a, he's, I don't think he's a point guard. No, um, Markinen's a power listed. forward. No, he's yeah, a power he's, forward. Yeah. Right. So that would be kind of the Dirk replacement kit right there if you bring in Markinen. And, uh, but the French guy, is the French guy a point guard? Yeah, yeah, he's 6'5", but he's a point guard. And so, I think that would be their first choice if they didn't get a top three pick. Um, yeah. And so that brings the question, would you rather have a Tilakina or, um, here's my, I've, I've probably proposed this trade three times already. So I'm gonna propose <laughs> it again. The number nine pick for Moutier. Mm. <sighs> That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm gonna I, say I'm gonna say no to that trade. I might say no to it, but I think the Mavs would say yes. Yeah, just based on the recent history, I think they'd rather have the known quantity. But then, I, I guess what was running through my mind is. You heard them, and we talked about this on the podcast a couple of times earlier this season about, you know, they came out and said they really liked Giannis a couple of years ago, but yeah. they just didn't, you know, they yeah. traded down and they took Shane Larkin to save yeah. $200,000 for Dwight Howard or whatever it was, right? Right. Um, and so I feel like, as, like, knowing that as a Mavs fan, if you really like this guy, like, if they're high on him, I'm like, Okay, then then you then you take him. Like don't don't bail yourselves out with this known quantity. You know, we know Moutier's pretty good. Um I'd rather see them roll the dice with this guy and like let's see how good you are at picking these European prospects. Like right. you know, and, and not to say this guy I don't think anyone's saying he's the next Giannis or anything like that, but just like all right, uh, let's let's see what you can really do because I don't want somebody else to pick him up. And then three, four years down the line, he's an all-star. And Donnie's like, well, you know, if we had kept the pick, we really would have liked him. You know? yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear that again. I don't what about, okay, what about the Lakers? Let's say they win the second pick. They take Lonzo Ball. 
and they offer you D'Angelo Russell for the ninth pick. Hmm. I mean, from a talent standpoint, I think I might take D'Angelo Russell. I have a really? lot of questions about his maturity. After yeah. the, well, because he's, he's only 20 years old, right? So yeah. you're getting the super young point guard kind of in the same way, except instead of another year of uh, another two years of college, you get two years of NBA experience out of him. You know, right. so it's, you, you still get the super young guy. I think the uh, the whole thing last year where he kind of, told, you know, recorded Nick Young talking about yeah. cheating on his girlfriend and then put that out there. And I know the Lakers say that's that's behind them or whatever, but I would question the, uh, like, just seeing that, I wonder if he would just annoy Rick Carlisle and just get in his doghouse really quickly. Not I agree. the same things, but just there's a level of immaturity there. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. I think... Um... That's why I don't like the trade. I think it, it'd actually be too risky because his, um, you know, I think after the Chandler Parsons, Harrison Barnes swap, it's sort of like, I think Rick has kind of won out of the, whatever character debate there may have been inside the building. It's just like, I, you got to feel Rick's carrying a little more weight now. And I just don't think he wants questionable guys anymore, you know? And, uh, yeah. I think Russell's questionable, and I, even though Tilakina is 18 and a half years old right now, I mean, D'Angelo Russell's not that much older. And so, um, I don't know. You, I, I don't think I do that trade. I, I don't know if I even do either trade because I, I wonder with Minnesota doing so poorly this year, if they could just get Ricky Rubio on a cheap trade. And then have, you know, what if they end up with Lori Markinen and Ricky Rubio next year? Because Minnesota's just looking to dump Rubio so they could sign somebody else. That's a very feasible yeah. possibility. I, I could see a salary dump trade where they pick up Rubio, put him in the gym, fix his shot, and then um, they just roll that out there, you know? Well, they don't even need to really fix it. I mean... Again, I go back to Jason Kidd, who just became a pretty reliable set shooter near the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, like, he's, got good, he's got good form. He just doesn't make them. So what, that's what I mean by yeah. fixing it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like they gotta they got to figure out what's going on. Does he need more leg in a shot or what? Because he, he just right. doesn't make – if he could shoot, he'd be a you know a top eight point guard, I think. But um, he cannot shoot. So, now, now he really can't. So, yeah, slight chance to get up to, I think, eight or nice pick, but uh, I don't know if that's going to make a difference in who we take. I, I, I'm i willing to bet right now, soundbite, on the podcast, that we end up with Tilakina or Markinen as our, as our draft pick, if we keep the pick okay. and if we don't win the lottery. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, right, right. And so, um, and I'd be okay with that because even oh, yeah. even a young guy from Europe. I mean, obviously we had success picking out Dirk, but I think you're getting a little bit more of a mature guy because they start playing. You know, Tony Parker when he came over was super young, but he'd been playing professionally since he was like 15. Yeah, just like Rubio. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And so, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. So, um, yeah, so overall, there there are our Mavericks. And uh, next week, I, I think we're going to be talking about, uh, well, I guess we have a chance against the Thunder. We blew them out last time. So we're going to be talking about a tough week regardless and uh, maybe where we are in the rankings. But we're wrapping up the year here. 12 games left. Yeah, there's only a few weeks left in the season. So, yeah, by next week, I think that playoff picture will become a lot clearer. And uh, yeah, maybe we, we won't be mathematically eliminated, but it, it may be about, yeah, just about done at that point. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. No. All right. Well, until okay. next week, we will do this next week. Uh, I'm Al at home. <laughs> You're Matt at home. And uh, this is the Mavs Podcast. Uh, send us any questions at uh, mavspodcast at gmail.com or uh, tweet us at the Mavs Podcast. So uh, yep. until next week, I'll see you then. All right. See ya. All right. Take care. Bye.